Hello. Welcome and thank you for joining us and listening to our podcast, The God Beyond the Bible. Our podcast is released weekly each Friday. The content of each episode is based on the questions and curiosities we all have about God and the Bible. Many of our topics are considered taboo in the minds of the mainstream church. You will find our discussions to be, I think, refreshing and often far from traditional. But we don't just skirt around these complex issues, but confront them head on, and not in the way you're used to hearing them discussed on typical Christian talk shows. I'm Alan Rowland, creator and host of The God Beyond the Bible. As of the launch of this podcast, I've been a pastor for more than 35 years. My co-host is my daughter, Trayson, and our engineer, co-producer, is my daughter, Tabitha. Our mission is to encourage our audience, along with us, to open our minds to the reality that God is simply too big to be fully explored or experienced by the reading and studying of a single ancient work. In short, the Bible's not the sum of God, and to think this is to limit what He has done, is doing, and what He will do in our future. So with introductions made, thank you for listening, and let's dive into the topic of the day. And welcome to episode two of our podcast, God Beyond the Bible, by seekers and for seekers. In our last talk, we kind of got into the topic of, uh, in the book of Isaiah, the fallen angel Lucifer, and uh, that kind of led us to today's topic. And so today's topic is going to be angels, God's agents on earth, or his representatives, however you want to put that. And in segment one, and when we're all present, by the way, uh, uh, Tabitha's here. Hello. Tabitha, our producer, and uh, gives us all the hand signals and eye rolls and all that stuff. And Trayson, our uh, our co-host. Yeah, I'm here too. All right. And uh, hopefully as we get at this, we'll get better at this. And so we don't want to just have a bunch of babble that nobody wants to listen to. We want to, I know we move pretty fast and we don't spend a lot of time on a lot of the topics, but I'm sure someone will email us and correct us on our mistakes too. I'm counting on it. Okay, so I guess segment one, we're going to take off. Uh, We're talking about angels. Remember, God's agents on earth. Segment one, do angels exist? And I did a little research of my own. Uh, in my research, uh, a t- 2011 CBS News poll that nearly, and I don't know what nearly means, <laughs> but nearly 8 out of 10 Americans believe in angels uh, as opposed to only about 2 out of 10 Europeans believe in angels. found that kind of interesting. Uh, an ABC poll from 2008, uh, about 55% Uh, of Americans, I believe this is, I'm sure it is, believe that they have been protected by guardian angels. So I guess we're going to kind of start off the discussion with, uh, do you guys have anything to add to those statistics? When I was studying this morning and kind of looking over everything, I read a Gallup poll from 2006 where it said that four in 10 of those people who have never attended a religious service still believe in the existence of angels. Now, now, that, now, now, that doesn't mean that they don't believe in God, right? No, absolutely no. not. But just that they're not, you know, they don't attend services each week or anything like that, but they still believe in the existence of angels. Well, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Uh, so the question comes, do I believe angels exist and why or why not? Does anybody want to jump into that? Do, do I believe angels exist? Do you all believe angels exist? Yes, I believe angels exist. Why? Or why? I guess why not don't apply to you. (laughs) You can go into the biblical theology of it, but I think anyone who's ever prayed for peace and felt that calm come over them or had a situation that 
instantaneously went from terrifying or life-ending to just completely okay, is can accept that angels exist and that they intervene on our behalf. And I think we've all uh, heard testimonies of people that had encounters. I mean, you know, you read about the car wreck where two guys show up and drag the guy from the burning car. And a lot of people witness them. And then when they get there and the authorities get there, those people can't be found. I mean, how do you, how do you explain that? I mean, angels, I guess, right? Okay, uh, let me give you one little story that I have about angels, and then I'm gonna we're going to move on with this because we're going to try to get segment one cut it a little short so we'll have time for the rest of our segments. Uh, uh, one little life experience that I had when I was about 12 or 13 years old, my cousin and I went onto the back of my grandmother's place, which not uh, my mom's but my dad's mom, went over to the back of the place, and we climbed up on the – well, actually went to where a waterfall was frozen over. It was like in January. And this whole waterfall was really frozen over. And we climbed up around a little ledge around this waterfall. And uh, I had the wild idea that I was going to kick that ice off of that waterfall and make it fall down into the bottom of this. Now, we were about 30 feet up and kick it down in this ravine. And uh, I stood up to kick that, which was really a smart, shows you where my mind was at 13 years old. But anyway, uh, I stood up to kick that, if you can imagine this, if I'm making sense, to kick that ice off that waterfall, and my foot slipped out from under me. And I'm about 30 feet up. And uh, in midair, it's, this seemed like it took five seconds or 10 seconds. In midair, I turned, uh, grabbed a hold of my cousin's, both hands in his back pockets of his pants, and pulled myself back into that ledge. And uh, I looked back on it many times, and I realized that I stayed in the air way too long for anybody. So uh, to be able to do that, I should have just fallen to some critical injury or maybe death right there. So that's kind of my angel story that I thought of when I was thinking of this. Okay. Uh, uh, so, uh, yes, I believe. What about you, Tabitha? I didn't hear you say yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. Do you believe in angels? All right. Do we encounter angels in our daily life? The writer of the New Testament Hebrews warns to be careful to entertain strangers because we may actually be unaware that the strangers we're entertaining are angels. And so there seems to be some significance to that, to treating angels right and treating people right, and especially if we entreat an angel, I guess. Is that what that says? There are way too many stories um, from past to present, from biblical time. You know, you can go back to Abraham and you can go all the way through modern times. And there's constantly people who have, I saw your signal, <laughs> there are constantly people who have stories of angelic beings that they've had an interaction with in their day-to-day -day life. And, and, and it's not just biblical, it's people. I yes. mean, lots of testimonies of people. That's why we are God beyond the Bible, right? I mean, uh, we still believe God, angels are still doing stuff. So uh, just some real quick facts. Islam, uh, Islam or Muslims believe in angels, and I read where each has four angels assigned, two to keep record of the good and two to the bad. And I think, Tabitha, you studied something else. That well, just a little mind. The studying I did was that there were two, one, one of each, one to keep record of each. Well, maybe maybe some of us need more than one to keep record of our... <laughs> Very true. Of our, I don't know. All right. And I'm not making fun. Hey, don't call me up. Don't write hateful things. I'm just making a little joke there. The Hindus, they're called... I don't know if that's divas or I hate to say divas. I don't want to say that. That's not what I'm looking at, but it's D-E-V-A-S. And they are 
all over their angels that they believe are their divas or whatever they are over the natural things like the water, the earth, and the fire. And the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons believe the angels are heavenly beings in human form who help spread the work and the word of God on earth. So in the conclusion, any or all of these concepts of angels may or may not be accurate. I personally believe that angels are present all around us, and they may operate in our dimension as humans, but also operate all around us in a dimension we can't see. I believe they are God's agents, his present and influence here on earth. And I believe they zip back and forth between heaven and earth, carrying out orders and giving reports and the reality. Angels are just one of those things we can't prove with science, right? Absolutely. All right. Welcome, welcome everyone back to our podcast. We're in episode two. Podcast is God Beyond the Bible. And today we're talking about angels, God's agents on earth. And I think our thought for segment two is going to be our biblical concept of angels is greatly influenced by a book not allowed in the Bible. And that book would be? Enoch. Book of Enoch, because we can open up a great can of worms right there. Uh, word angels, or angel in all of its form, angel, angels, possessive, all that. 116 times it appears in the Old Testament, and it first appears in Genesis 16, where Sarah has given her handmaiden Hagar to sleep with Abram, or Abraham. And when Ab- and when Hagar became pregnant, she began to treat Sarah with contempt. So Sarah complains to Abraham and blames him, and Abraham says what the answer for all of us men, she's your servant, you deal with it. So Sarah begins to treat Hagar excuse me, so harshly that she runs away. And in Genesis 16-7, the angel of the Lord appears. First time we have an angel appearing. Am I right? Did you guys look at this? Was I right? I didn't check. Okay, you didn't fact check me. Well, someone will, I'm sure. In Genesis 16, 7, the angel of the Lord appears to Hagar and convinces her to return to Abraham and Sarah and announces that her child, Ishmael, is also a child of promise or he will be a great nation, and we know that's the Arab nation, and he will fight against his relatives, namely Abraham's descendants through Isaac, which are the Israelites. So, though we believe that the serpent was the fallen angel Lucifer, and the sons of God in Genesis 6, we're going to be talking about that, were the fallen and their offspring were Nephilim, the first recorded appearance of a good messenger, angel, is after Abraham appears on the scene, and it after he comes on the scene, and it appears not to Abraham or Sarah. Did you find this interesting? It appears to Hagar. Uh, Hagar's a slave, right? Yes, she was Sarah's handmaiden, and I'd never really noticed before that the first angel appeared to her rather than to Abraham. Uh, that was interesting, and I went back to check, and I thought, no, no, the angel appeared to Abraham first, and I went back and double-checked that, and I found out that it is true because Abraham saw, got his first promise in a vision, or in a dream, right? Dream or a vision, okay. All right, the New Testament speaks of angels by name 180 times, 76 times in the book of Revelation, which is a book more about angelic activity on earth and heaven than human activity. I've come to realize that lately. The book of Revelation is really about angels and angelic activity. Yes. Okay, here's, here's, here's our statement we're working off of. Our biblical concept of angels, especially fallen, which fuels our concept of good and bad angels, comes from a source considered taboo or forbidden. Matter of fact, they're called the forbidden books of the Bible, right? I wonder who forbade them. The book of Enoch. So why even talk about it or bring it up? Well, remember, what is the name of this 
podcast? God Beyond the Bible. God Beyond the Bible, yeah. So that's a good reason right there to bring it up. Another instance where there is some clear contradiction, the New Testament book of Jude clearly references Enoch's writings. In Jude 1, 14 to 15, Enoch who lived in the seventh, I'm reading now from the Bible, Enoch who lived in the seventh generation after Adam prophesied about these people. He said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done for all the insults and ungodly, that ungodly sinners have spoke against him. Now, think about this for a moment. Not only does Jude reference Enoch, he calls him by name, identifies him as the one in the Genesis, Adam, or Adamic genealogy, who, by the way, he was the guy that disappeared, right? He didn't disappear. God took him. God he took where him. where he is. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. So he's still somewhere. Yes. Okay. All right. Got you. Uh, and then we could get into a whole different discussion there, but they said the people looked for him and he was not. Yes. Okay. All right. Got you. And, uh, and uh, so Jude not only references Enoch uh, and according and, and according to the Bible, it's a footnote from, from Enoch 1, 9. And I actually looked in the book of Enoch and it was verbatim. A quote from Enoch 1.9. Jude quoted it. Uh, is this, first of all, not a clear indication that the Bible itself reaches outside the Bible? Jude didn't have a Bible. <laughs> but I mean, well, no, I mean, well, but you I thought you knew to, him. Did you know him personally? Yes. Yeah, we were good friends back okay, in the day. Okay, all right. You have to consider that Jude didn't have anything to calculate against. He had scrolls, and every scroll was treated equally as important and as historical. So when he quoted the book of Enoch, he didn't have a, well, this is the canon scripture. This is what we go with. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. So, uh, so, but it is, isn't it saying to us today though, that have the Bible, isn't it kind of saying that the Bible itself goes outside what we allow to be Bible? Absolutely. All right. All right. And, uh, I read the most ridiculous attempt to cover up Jude's statement with this explanation. You know, there's folks that always feel like they have to defend the Bible. I've got to defend the Bible. I've got at all costs we must defend the Bible because. And, and I'm not. I want to make a statement here. I'm not tearing down the Bible. I believe that God is in the Bible. I believe God is not limited to the Bible. I don't believe that God stopped speaking to us two thousand years ago. That's just what this podcast is all about. I mean, that's from where I'm coming from. Uh, we, we limit God when we say, well, I'm going to have to look in the Bible and see if God can do that. Well, I think we're all here to answer the questions that we've all had, or at least ask the questions so that people know they're not alone when they ask these questions. That, I almost said absolutely, Tracy. That's your word. And I almost <laughs> said that. But you're right. You're right. Okay. Uh I read, uh, and I told you about that, that I read that, that ridiculous attempt to defend, and what it was, it, here's what it said. The explanation was this. We don't know that Jude was referring, uh, referencing something that Enoch had written, or even which Enoch he might have been referring to. How could you, has this dude never read the Bible? Yeah, because it clearly says it was the seventh generation. <laughs> I mean, that kind of narrows it down a little bit. And so if he's not reading it, how's he referencing it? <laughs> I, mean, I do not know. He I mean, had a dream. Well, uh, yeah, or is he, just, <laughs> hey, is he just pulling this out of the air? Where does Jude get in this idea? And, and it's clearly, I went to the book of Enoch, and it's clearly a statement from the book of Enoch. So I'm going to say he's reading it. I'm thinking, what are we do? why do we feel like we need to defend, defend God? 
I could get in really, really deep on that topic. I think all of us feel the need to defend what we believe because sometimes it's hard to step out of what you've always been taught. Well, that is true. Okay, so uh, uh, we're not doing anything uh, right here on this podcast uh, that accepted writers in the Bible did not do themselves when we read the ancient writings of Enoch. Isn't that right? That's correct. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, well, we're, we're reading it. Okay, and with that, we will close this segment. Okay, welcome back to our podcast, God Beyond the Bible. And today we are talking about angels, God's agents on earth. Our thought for this segment is going to be how the Forbidden Book of Enoch has profoundly affected our biblical theology concerning angels. Well said. Say that three times real fast. Uh, we, we ended up with about Jude referencing last segment. Uh, Jude was referencing Enoch and matter of fact, quoted him, called him a name, uh, said where he was, who he was, described him, everything like that. Uh, Enoch called the angels watchers. Uh, he said they were dispatched from God to monitor and watch over the earth. Uh, in fact, I looked up the definition of angel. It's like, and I think in the Hebrew, it's malak, M-A-L-A-K, something like that. And it means a dispatched messenger. Okay. Remember from our last segment, Jude, the writer of the New Testament epistle, clearly had not only read Enoch's ancient writings, but believed them, believed them to the degree that he quoted from the writings of Enoch, and he called his source by name. Uh, Enoch writes that these watchers actually violated their intended purpose when they decided to have relations with human women, and uh, they spawned these superhuman hybrid children. Is that is that right? I mean, that's the way I understand it. I also love that I never noticed before that that means that angels have free will. As well as humans. Oh, well, I've always thought that about angels. Of course, I've taught a lot about angels, and I've always thought they have they do have free will. They they have a free moral agent. They can they can obey or, or, or have the ability to not obey. Now, the difference is, and this is a whole different thing, but the difference is, is that when man fell, God already had a plan in place. It was Jesus Christ, a redemption plan. There was no redemption plan as far as we know for the angels. Oh, that's a wild thought, isn't it? Isn't it is. It? Okay. Now... This is the explanation our forefathers passed on to us for the events in Genesis 6. I know I'm jumping around here, but I'm just going to remind you what Genesis 6 talks about, where we read that the sons of God looked upon the daughters of men, and they saw that they were beautiful, and they took them for wives. That's the first in the first few verses of, of Genesis chapter 6. Then in Genesis 6, 4, in those days and for some time after, giant Nephilites, or Nephilim, lived on the earth. For whenever the sons of God had intercourse with women, they gave birth to children who became famous warriors of ancient times. Now, I've had people explain, and I think maybe Dr. Baldwin, I talk about him a lot, but I've done a lot of reading and research on him, and I think he's, he, he believed, it might not have been him, I don't, you know, but uh, many people believe this is where we have the mythological Hercules I've always thought that was probably where we come up with the Greek half-gods, the Titans. And so, well, that's, and that's pretty cool, I think. Always had a real difficulty with, ex, with uh, the accepted teaching that these sons of God in Genesis 6 were angels. 
I could never see how our fathers, our forefathers, our teachers, our theologians, however you, whatever you want to call them, how they got that interpretation from the Bible. In fact, you know, I, I, I struggled and I tried to get that interpretation from the Bible itself, and I couldn't get it. I couldn't get it purely from the Bible. Uh, but then I discovered that they did not get it from the Bible we have, but they got it from the ancient writings of Enoch. But our early Bible scholars uh, wouldn't reveal their source since the writings of Enoch were, and for the most part still are, what? Forbidden. They're considered forbidden. They're the lost books of the Bible, so we can't reveal our source. We'll use the teaching. We'll use the concept and the teaching, but we can't tell you where we got this because if we tell you where you got this, we'll get in trouble with. i got to say this right here, and uh, I know we've got to move on this, but... Uh, I had a friend to tell me, he said, you know, when you start talking about this and release this podcast, your career as a pastor may be over. Because he said, I'd love to talk about it. He said, I'd love to talk about it with you. But he said, if I talk like this about in my church, they'd kick me out of my church. Wow. That's scary, isn't it? That's scary. Okay. So one way our modern biblical view is influenced beyond the Bible is the interpretation that the sons of God were actually angels. And, you know, you can't get that. I don't care who you are. You can be as sly and as educated as you want to be. You can't get the sons of God. You can't turn that into angels unless you look at Enoch. And Enoch gave us that idea. That always seemed like a huge leap to me growing up that we just knew that these were angels when the word angels aren't called the sons of God anywhere else that I could find. Yeah, yeah, they actually are in the book of Job. In the book of Job. Aren't they? In the book of Job. I think in the book of Job they are called, and it's an ancient book. Yes. That's a whole different subject. Whole maybe that's different a whole show. Maybe that's a whole topic sometime. Okay. Another way that our uh, uh, we've been influenced, the way we believe, is the belief that there are fallen angels or angels who have gone bad. Amazingly, Jude is also the one who gives us that concept. Of course, Peter talks about it too a little bit. But in Jude 1.6, let me read from Jude 1.6. And I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of the authority of, that God gave them, but left the place where they belonged. God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. And who's Jude referencing there? Enoch. That's the only place he can get this idea is from Enoch. He references Enoch all the way through his single chapter of Jude. I, I'm calling this Jude 1 and Jude because there's just one chapter of Jude. But it kind of puzzles me when I see it. It says Jude 15. It's I like, have the same problem. It's like, whoa, it's Jude 1, 15. Okay, all right. All right, we cannot conclude without mentioning one more obscure reference Jude makes about angels. Jude 1, 9. And it reads like this. But even Michael the archangel did not make a railing accusation against the devil as Michael and his angels fought against the devil and his angels over the body of Moses, which this is a transliteration. Again, this is believed to have come from, and not Enoch, but the forbidden work that is titled what? The Assumption of Moses. Now, you know a little bit about the Assumption of Moses, Trayson, so tell us just something you know about the Assumption of Moses. The book, The Assumption of Moses, was originally thought to be two separate books that were combined together, both written by Moses, and both of them give some history into what we would consider heavenly events. But this story in particular, for those of you who don't know the story. And I don't. I'm one Satan, of those. <laughs> Satan claimed Moses was guilty of murder because he killed an Egyptian. 
So he said he was unworthy of an honorable burial and proceeded to try to take the body and prove that he was guilty. Michael and Satan ended up wrestling over the body for days before Michael eventually won out and took Moses' body to an undisclosed location. (laughs) And that comes from a book called? The Assumption of Moses. And, of course, Assumption, I'm trying to think of the title, what that would be, The Assumption of, we're assuming? (laughs) I mean, I, I, I... do us, you might have to talk about this again. You may have to do us a little more in-depth of the assumption of Moses. But, but the bottom line is here, Jude quoted, right? Yes. Jude quoted an event, or I don't know if he quoted, he, he talked about an event. The only record we have of that event comes from the assumption of Moses. Wow. That's just, that's just too neat. And so there again, guys, it's the God beyond the Bible. You know, we have to we have to consider that. Uh, I think next week we're going to probably try to talk about maybe the lost books of the Bible or just really about how many times the Bible references. The Bible itself references sources outside the Bible. Okay. the conclusion is this is my conclusion. I'm the host. I get to decide what I conclude. I believe angels do exist, that they are ever present on earth in our daily lives, and the tasks and supernatural duties they perform are not limited to the rare occasions their activities are recorded in the Bible. In short, they are God's agents, monitors, secret intelligence, if you want to, on earth even today. I can agree with that. Did you enjoy listening to God Beyond the Bible? Do you have an idea for an episode? Connect with us today. Visit our website at godbeyondthebible.com, all one word, or send us an email at email at godbeyondthebible.com, or you can visit us on Facebook. Just type God Beyond the Bible into the search bar.